0: Welcome to episode 62 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 7. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories because stories matter, stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, if you remember, we decided in episode 60 to start off every episode with a positive message. I wanted to start this ritual in order to continue what my mother always made us do when we were growing up, and I have also made sure to pass it on to my children. She asked us to start everything, big or small, in our lives with a positive thought. Here is the positive message that will get us started with this episode. The author is unknown. To the women who are labeled aggressive, keep being assertive. Bossy, keep on leading. Difficult, keep telling the truth. Too much, keep taking up space. Awkward, keep asking the hard questions. Please, don't shrink yourself to make people happy. Be yourself. You're beautiful that way. And today, we are going to be talking with a woman who for too many years lived her life to make others happy and to conform. A year and a half ago, she decided she could not do that anymore and that if she wanted to be happy in life, she had to transform to who she authentically wanted to be, a man. This episode comes with a disclosure. The discussion you're about to hear is honest, candid, and descriptive, but with a lot to learn from. Our guest for today is now comes with the pronoun of he and him. He lives his life by this quote from Catherine Center: You have to be brave with your life so that others can be brave with yours. Everyone, please join me in welcoming Liam Paschal. Liam, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is so, so good to have you on the show. And I told you a bit about why I'm so excited to have you on the show before we started recording. But to put it on the record, you are a part of the LGBTQ community, you are a transgender. I would love to have your story on the podcast so that those who are either wanting to do something like that, who already are transgenders, who already are part of the LGBTQ community, they too listen to the show. And so if there are life lessons that you can give them that they can use in their lives, that would be great. So welcome.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Let's start by you telling us something about yourself.
1: Well, wow. I feel like there's so much to tell in <laughs> in a very long life that I've lived now, but so much has changed in just the past year and a half. First of all, not many people, I think, could say that they were actually able to choose their own first and little names, but I did that last year when I came out for a second time in my life. Um, As I came out transgender to my wife, my pronouns are he, him, and his. For me, I'm an ordinary person, I think with an extraordinary heart. I'm a new entrepreneur. So I've been doing some consulting for quite a while now on various topics like LGBTQ, emotional intelligence, unconscious bias, and the like. And recently I took it a step further and created my company called Gender Bend Consulting. You can actually find it on LinkedIn as well as Twitter now. I mentioned I'm happily married to a wonderful, intelligent, beautiful woman, and we have two humans, two dogs, and three cats. So, pretty big family.
0: You are Um, a big family.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, very much. I call myself an honorary Haitian. I've been to Haiti for the past three years, except for last year, and really worked with the young adults there to teach them professional development so they could give back to their country. And so, they've sort of adopted me as an honorary Haitian. Some days, some days I I amaze myself and other days I'm the kind of person that puts my keys in the refrigerator and forgets where I put. So, (laughs) but at the end of the day, like you said, I'm part of the LGBTQ community. I'm unapologetically me. I'm a transgender man who came out much later in life than I would have ever hoped to, but I'm finally happy to be fearlessly and authentically me.
0: That is wonderful. I so appreciate you for that. And as my listeners know, I do not know any of my guest stories beforehand. I listen to the story as I'm being told when I'm interviewing the guest. And so, Liam, I can't wait to know your story. Please tell <laughs> us your story.
1: Sure. So I'll go back, I think, to when I was really young. I was raised by my maternal grandmother in a little small town called Embro. And I'm sure most of your listeners have never heard of this place. It's part of a Warren County. And I think in 2019, that county had a population of just under 1,200. So you can imagine as a kid there that's sort of confused about how they're feeling about their body and their mind. It was very difficult for me as a kid growing up. I remember my earliest memories of waking up and wishing that when I woke up, I was in the correct body go all the way back to when I was five or six years old. I remember... Walking into the bathroom as a kid and getting out of the bathtub, your grandmother's in there drying you off, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the grandmotherly thing Mm -hmm. and I'm standing in front of the mirror and I have this, this uncontrollable feeling that I just want to grab my skin, like right in the middle of my chest, almost like a Superman pose and just pull my skin completely off my body so that I could step out and be the person I always Thought I should be, so being born as you know a female, you know, was, was what was on my birth certificate, but feeling like I was born in the wrong body—that I should have been a boy—was very difficult. I was drawn to boy things. I wanted to wear boys' clothing. Started as early as kindergarten, first grade. I remember, I had three pairs of these pants. They, they were called parachute pants. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of those. No. Nope. But I had a black, I had a black pair, a lime green pair, and a white pair, and they literally were made out of like parachute material. They were boy pants and I had three pairs and they were my Mm go-to. And I always wanted to wear those. I never wanted to wear dresses. I never wanted to play with dolls. It was always boy things. These were the things that made me feel like myself. And I think some of your listeners might can understand this part. When I got a little older, I, I got to that stage where you have to get a training bra. And for girls, for girls who feel comfortable being a girl and being comfortable in their own body, that's something they get excited about, yeah. You know, Absolutely, I remember, my I remember the first day I put my training bra on. <laughs> See? And that is decades exactly. ago. <laughs> right, everybody remembers that. And for some people, it's really awesome, that feeling that you have. Like, I remember my daughter was so happy about that. But for me, every time I would put that bra on, I wanted to just melt into the floor because I hated the way it felt. I hated the way it looked. And my grandmother, of course, she bought it for me and she thought it was a really neat thing to do for her grandchild that she was raising and I was growing up and becoming a young adult. And she lived at the end of this really long dirt road that I would have to walk every morning when I went to school to catch the school bus. And we had a newspaper box at the end of that road. And every single morning after I started wearing that training box, I would quietly and carefully, when I knew my grandmother had turned her head, I would take that training bra off, standing at the end of my driveway, and stick it in the newspaper box and not wear it to school. And I would put it back on when I got back that afternoon.
0: That is such <laughs> an awesome story. When did your grandmother find out you were doing this? Or did she You ever- know,
1: she did find out. She okay. found out, I, I guess after about two weeks, she found out I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't mad. She just didn't understand. You know, the sad part of the, the story, even as funny as it is, I didn't know how to explain to her why I didn't want to wear a bra. Because back then it was hard to even, I don't even think I ever heard the word transgender back then. Right. Mm-hmm. So I knew that there were gay people but I never heard the word transgender and I didn't know if something was wrong with me, if people would make fun of me, if I would be accepted. And so it was just one of those things that when she found that I was doing that, I just agreed to start wearing it again. You know, it's one of those things when you hide it for so long, it's hard to know how and where to stop. Like I said, I knew when I was five or six But I hid it until last year, which was 40 plus years later. And that was the moment I felt like I could finally safely be me. Because even as a teenager growing up in that small town, I really think I will always believe this to be true. If I had come out as a transgender person, Mm -hmm. I am 99% sure that I would either have committed suicide or i would have been killed
0: yeah
1: i, I, hear, I strongly I hear you. believe that I hear you. yeah
0: but also living with that truth that you are not in the body you want to be that in mm-hmm. itself must be so horrendous
1: it's one of those things i think i've heard so many transgender individuals try to explain it and it's so difficult to explain because if you can imagine just for a moment If you woke up one morning and you just didn't feel comfortable in your own skin and you felt like everywhere you went, people that addressed you with ma'am or wanted you to come across as feminine and wear girl clothes and do girl things, things that made you cringe, people wanted you to do, people wanted you to be, Mm -hmm. it it is the worst feeling in the world. And it bothers me so much when parents try to explain it away to their kids who say, Hey, I'm not comfortable. I don't feel like a girl. I don't feel like a boy. And their parents want to send them to some psychologist or get them some type of counseling. That's not what you do. You support them in who they are. And it's such a hard thing to even experience, much less come out and say to someone, I'm transgender. I don't feel like I am the the person I was, you know, when I was born, for example. Mm -hmm. I'm not a female. Yes, it said it on my birth certificate, but I'm not a female. I never felt like a female. My mind doesn't tell me I'm a female and everything about me tells me I'm a male. And thankfully, I live in a state that allows me to change that on my birth certificate. So my birth certificate, surprisingly, a lot of people don't believe this, actually says I'm a male now. I actually had my birth certificate redone with my new name and my new gender marker.
0: Interesting. Which state allows you to do that?
1: I'm in North Carolina, um, but a lot of states do allow you to do that. And and North Carolina is one of those states. Now, it's not an easy process and you do have to you have to jump through some hoops. But I have to tell you, everything that I had to go through since last year to get to where I am today is has all been worth it. First
0: of all, I feel that's very progressive of the state administration to allow you to do that. But also, I do want to know, where was the breakthrough? When did you have that breakthrough (laughs) and who helped you through this?
1: It was actually Valentine's Day, Valentine's weekend of last year. Obviously, it was during the, the time of COVID, somewhere around that time frame when COVID started and we were all kind of experiencing the, what do we do now? Are we staying at home? Do we go anywhere? My wife and I were watching, a, a, I think it was a documentary and there were transgender individuals in this documentary. And when it was over, I turned the TV off and I said to my wife, I need to tell you something. We've been together for nearly 20 years.
0: I just want to set the record straight. So you've been together as lesbians before? Yes,
1: correct. Ah, okay. okay, Correct. When I said to her that I needed to tell her something, I just came out and said, I've always felt like I'm a male that's trapped in a female's body. And I want to start living my life as a man. I want to transition. I want to have the gender-affirming top surgery. I want to start taking testosterone. And I want to fully transition and I honestly didn't know what to expect because if you think about you've been in a relationship with someone for so long, they know you, that person that you were, you don't know if they're going to accept you for the change that you're asking them to accept. Sure. But I remember my wife was, she's been one of my biggest supporters, my biggest cheerleaders ever since the day I said that to her. She said, you know, I don't know what took you so long to tell me. You surely are blessed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. She loves me for who I am. And she'll tell anybody that she loves the person that I am on the inside. And she just wants me to be truly happy. And for me, that was probably one of the hardest things was telling her. And after the coming out at work and coming out to friends and family was a lot easier because of how she handled it. Now, My family, it has nothing to do with me. I've not really ever had a good relationship with my mom. My dad, we've had on-again, off-again relationships. He didn't really care for the fact that I was a lesbian. And then when I transitioned, started transitioning to become a guy, he, uh, he hasn't spoken to me since that day. So I've not spoken to my father in over a year at all. He doesn't agree with it. He doesn't think that it's... Normal, he sees it as a slap in the face, and he thinks it's a decision that I made, that I chose to be this way, and I will tell you that considering everything that I have been through, and I don't even know the stories of all the transgender people that I know, there is absolutely positively no way that anyone would ever choose the path less traveled, the hardest path to take. And that is what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and people don't see that. They look at it as a decision that you make to just be different and that's not it. As a parent,
0: I would like to ask you this. Do you think sure. your parents feel guilty about this for themselves? Do, do you think they feel like they messed up as parents or they feel like they are at fault for this?
1: When I was living my life as a lesbian, yes, I I think they probably did think that it was their fault, that Mm. something they did, something they said, something could have been done differently. Yes, I do. I don't think that my father feels that way about my transitioning to a man and being transgender. I think he feels like it's just some ridiculous decision that I made and he doesn't agree with it. So for him... (laughs) Mm. He, he just, he doesn't even want to talk about it.
0: So Liam, here's what I need from you. For parents who are listening to this episode,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and if they are dealing with this situation where their kids are either telling them they're lesbians or gays, or even transgender, mm-hmm. uh, give them a message. Tell them something which will make it easier for them to accept the situation.
1: Sure. So... For any child that is questioning their gender or their sexuality, their identity, there is nothing wrong with that child. Nothing at all. It's normal. Don't worry about if they can't work out where they fit in. Don't worry about if they change their mind a few times. Sometimes that happens. People transition and then later on feel like they need to de-transition, for example. People that are feeling a certain way now may feel a different way in six months. But you have to allow your children to be true to themselves and live their lives authentically because here's what is happening across the world and especially in the U.S. Parents are turning their backs on their children for being gay, for being lesbian, for being transgender, for being non-binary, for whatever they they feel like they are. That is causing those individuals to have to try to find other people to be their support system. And all this is doing is creating a world where we're seeing suicide rates among transgender youth, among gay and lesbian youth. They're continually increasing rapidly. Love your kids. Love them for who they are. Let them be who they are. Don't try to mold them into something you want them to be or something that you feel society expects them to be. Love them and let them be.
0: That's great. Wonderful message, Liam. Also, if they are feeling this is their fault, what would you tell them?
1: There's nothing that a parent could or couldn't do to make a child gay or lesbian or transgender. Think about it this way. There are a number of gay and lesbian parents and transgender parents who have straight children that identify with the gender they were designated as when they were born. It has nothing to do with what the parents did or didn't do and nothing to do with what uh, they've done in the past. But what does matter is what they do now. How are they going to handle it when their child comes to them and says, Dad, I don't feel like myself. I I look in the mirror and I don't see a girl. I see a boy. I want to cut my hair. I want to wear these kinds of clothes. I want to do these things. Great. Let them do that. And if six months from now they come back and say, okay, now I feel like I want to, paint my hair orange and dance around in daisies. That's okay. Let them be who they are authentic. And I promise you, you will see that child flourish and do all the things that you ever imagined they would do as an adult.
0: Thank you. I'm getting goosebumps at this point. Liam, thank you so much for that message, really. I think many parents need to hear this because I have heard many stories of even people in my own community and in my own friend circle that need to hear this message. So thank you for that.
1: Absolutely. I, I will tell you that's that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I am so vocal and such an open book, as I mentioned to you before the podcast started. I'm not doing this for me anymore. I've gotten to that point where I am 110% happy with who I am. I'm doing it so that the next trans person, the next gay person, the next lesbian child that's trying to come out to someone or they're trying to get their first job or join a team at school, I'm doing it so that those individuals that come after me don't have to answer the questions that people ask they don't have to deal with being discriminated against and bullied maybe that's a a naive thought but it gives me hope and hope that in a not too distant future no one has to come out at all heterosexual people don't have to come out we don't ask them how long they've been straight Mm -hmm. or how long they've identified with their gender at birth we just let them be who they are so why can't we do the same thing for members of the LGBTQ plus community.
0: Yeah. Normalize their being as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about the last one and a half years.
1: Whoa. Oh. <laughs> it has been a roller coaster, and some of it has been one of the, the best parts of my life, and parts of it have been things that have made me question why and how and when I did certain things. And so let me explain. So obviously when I came out to my wife that I wanted to transition, part of that was the medical piece of it, which was going to see a doctor, an endocrinologist, and also having to see a psychiatrist because you have to do that in order to do some of the medical transition. You have to have a conversation with the psychologist or psychiatrist and really talk to them about the fact that you've been experiencing gender dysphoria mm-hmm. where you're not comfortable you know, with the gender you were assigned at birth. I had a lot of conversation with my psychologist about that. A lot of conversation about how I felt growing up. A lot of conversation about how I feel now with my parents kind of disowning me. Now, I will tell you, that was one of the hardest things for me to try to find was a doctor who specialized in treating transgender patients. And I did that. And that doctor was able to get my blood work done, do some testing and start having me take testosterone shots. Now, I don't know how much maybe your listeners know about testosterone shots, but I will tell you that I was getting intramuscular shots every week. My wife was giving them to me every single week in my leg. And testosterone is like a motor oil. It's very thick and It's not a fun thing to do each week. So again, I go back to, no, this is not something I would have chosen to do, Mm. but I wanted everything to happen quickly. I wanted to have facial hair. I wanted to start looking like a man, my voice to change. I wanted everything to happen overnight because I'm super impatient, my (laughs) wife would tell you. But fast forward, I've been on it for a year... Yeah, a year now. My voice has definitely deepened. If you heard me talk prior to today, before I started transitioning, I sounded much, much more feminine, obviously. I've got facial hair. My wife picks on me that you can't see it because I have blonde hair and it's almost see-through. So I, <laughs> I the other night, the other night I actually took some of her mascara and painted my beard and mustache so she could actually see it. It was quite comical. That's um, But I have seen a lot of changes. My shoulders have gotten much broader. When you take testosterone, you go through puberty, just like a child goes through puberty. Mm -hmm. It varies per person, but it makes you have all the different symptoms of of a young boy going through puberty for the very first time. It's Mm -hmm. really interesting. Those are some of the things that have been really kind of fun and interesting. Having to change my name and my gender marker with the social security administration with my birth certificate things like that have been a little bit frustrating because it's not easy to do it's almost like you have to jump through hoops just to get things done you have to have letters from a psychologist you have to have letters from your doctor it's almost like people saying to you we don't think you know what you're doing so we want to have proof that this is what you want And it's almost, it's almost not just frustrating, but disheartening because you feel like you have people, even now that you're finally in that place to be your authentic self, you still have people who are holding you and making sure that you do things just the way they want you to before they'll give you what you need. We did all that. I got everything changed. But what I want to share now, I think is one of the most important parts of my journey, which was having the gender-affirming top surgery, which is something that a lot of transgender individuals choose to have. They want to get rid of their breast and have more of a male chest, and for me that was really important because, mm-hmm. as I mentioned previously, I always stuck my training bra in the mailbox, so it was obvious I did not want to have those things on my chest. Um,
0: hey, Liam, this yeah. is Uh, only because I'm so curious what was your bra size before you changed
1: oh gosh before I actually had a surgery to reduce my breast size before I had the gender-affirming top surgery so I was a C almost a D yeah I had some pretty big ones and so that made it even worse because I hated them when I made the decision to have the gender-affirming top surgery I found a surgeon in Durham and scheduled a surgery. Everything was going well. I had been to see her. She had, you know, told me what she was going to do. My wife took me to the hospital the morning of surgery, and it was obviously during COVID, and she could not go into the hospital, so she had to leave me there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I came out of surgery, I was obviously still pretty loopy, but my wife came to pick me up, and she explained to me that there was a spot at the top of my chest that was what the doctor called dusky and what that meant was she was concerned because of blood flow mm. so we got home and my wife at some point you know took the bandages off and took a look at everything and we found out that the blood flow during the surgery was not good and so i ended up with necrosis of my chest so where I had for so long just wanted a, a male chest to get rid of my breast now I was sitting here in discomfort and feeling like such a I used to say this to my wife and hated it but I, I felt literally like a freak of nature because I could look down at my chest and see these black and purple and it was just rotting flesh. And so my wife had to clean my chest every day and redress it. And we would have to contact my surgeon every day and send her pictures and talk through it. And I eventually went back to see her and she unwrapped my chest up though and said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. There's two holes in your chest from the necrosis. We're going to take some skin from between your legs on your thighs. And we're gonna use that skin for your chest to get those holes to heal up. So we we scheduled a a second surgery in a matter of about a month and a half. She did the skin graft, So she cut the skin from the inside of my thighs and placed it on my chest. We came home from that and everything looked pretty good. Um, And I was supposed to go back to see her in a couple weeks. The day that we go back to see the surgeon, everything looked great up until that day. When we get there to see her, she takes the bandage off. And lo and behold, the skin grass did not take. Okay. So now they have also basically rotted and she's had to remove them. And so since that time, it's been really tough for me because I've already spent most of my life with breast which I was very uncomfortable with and when I finally get to the point in my life where I can have surgery and hopefully have the chest that I've always wanted now I have complications major complications and it has been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because as silly as this sounds all I wanted to do all I wanted to do after having surgery was to be able to heal and take my shirt off at the beach, I know, and okay. just for once feel free mm. to be me. So it's been a really long road. I've created a blog that I've outlined my entire journey. So I've got a blog that's got videos and writings from me on every step of my journey from the moment I came out to my wife till now.
0: I'm going to take a link from you off it and put it in my show notes sure listeners can go to it if they want to
1: yeah I'm you know fortunate that I've got some new plastic surgeons that are going to be meeting with me to talk about how they can help me hopefully fingers Mm -hmm. crossed and I don't know I don't know what the next step is in my journey at this point to hopefully get my chest back to where I would like for it to be where I'm more comfortable with it
0: listening to this and I'm taking the liberty to say this on behalf of my listeners as well. We are all keeping our fingers crossed for you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So this seems like an arduous journey. It also seems like I've said all throughout, you were blessed. You are blessed. Imagine this whole scenario and your wife just stomps out of your life saying this is not what I thought I got myself into and I don't want to deal with this.
1: Mm -hmm. And that happens.
0: I'm sure it happens more times than not. Yes. Especially in a scenario like this. Because now I'm thinking in my head, she's a lesbian. She wants to Mm -hmm. be with a woman and she's Mm -hmm. not with a woman anymore. She's now, she ended up with a man, right? Right, right. I feel like I love her for accepting you for who you are.
1: It is very... Very unusual, I think, too, because a lot of times that doesn't happen. I have friends who they didn't get that same reaction. I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So tell us lessons learned. What lessons did you learn from all of this, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this experience that you've gone through?
1: Lessons learned. Well, I think that the biggest one is you have to be true to yourself. You have to live your life authentically, no matter what. It's not always going to be easy. There have been, like I just said, a lot of bumps in the road for me. But like you said, I am so blessed. Things could be so much worse for me. Yes, I had a, a lot of complications from my surgery. I didn't start to transition until much later in life. But I'm still here. And for me right now, even as much as I've been through, this is far better than the alternative which is living the rest of my life trapped by whatever it is that was keeping me from just being who I should have been all along, whether it was fear, whether it was not knowing what was going to happen, what was on the other side, know that you're gonna face rejection from some people. You always are, no matter what you do, whether you're straight, whether you're gay, whether you're lesbian, whether you're non-binary, whether you're transgender, you're always going to have rejection at some parts of your life, but you're going to find acceptance and you're going to find family in the places and the people that you least expect. I will tell you that the day that I decided to finally talk about this on LinkedIn was one of the hardest things I've had to do because I knew, I I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was going to lose probably half of my connections on LinkedIn let let's face it, that's the professional network. Those are the people who look at you with this professional lens and think, okay, this is a person I want to be connected with. This is a person I want to learn from. I want to grow with, I want to constantly follow and see what's going on in their life and I knew, I knew I was going to lose about half of my connections. And surprisingly, I gained connections versus losing them. So. Regardless of whether I have a deformed chest right now, whether it's taken me majority of my life to come out, whether people accept me or not, whether my father ever speaks to me again or not, I can finally say I am unapologetically, authentically, fearlessly me, no matter what. And you know what, if I ever need real support, I've got those people in my life. I've got my wife, I've got my children, who are no longer children, they're young adults. Mm -hmm. But I've got my colleagues, my colleagues have accepted me like nothing you would ever imagine. They have been so supportive, so encouraging, just constantly reaching out to, to see how I'm doing, to see if I need anything. But I know that if I need support, if I need somebody to talk to, somebody to listen, somebody to encourage me and remind me of just what a wonderful and special human being I am, I've got those people in my life. And I'm also one of those people for everyone else. And I will continue to speak for the voiceless and to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves.
0: And so basically you're telling those who, are, who you're sending this message to that you are the example. They will find their families and their supporters and their friends as well.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I will tell you right now, if anybody, and I mean anybody listening to this, needs support, needs to talk to someone, has a child that they feel like they need somebody to talk to, whatever you need, you can reach out to me on social media. It's Liam Pascal, and I will be more than happy to be that support that you need, to be the shoulder you want to lean on. If you just need somebody to listen or just somebody to show you that you're special, you're unique, and you deserve to be here just as much as everyone else, I'm that person. I will be your family.
0: That is such a beautiful offer, Liam. I am going to put your LinkedIn URL on my show notes as well. But here's another life lesson or message that I think would be worthy to talk about. What do you tell people who say I will do this later on, I will come out another time. I will wait for a few more years before I can do this. What's your message there?
1: You know, coming out is very stressful. It's surreal. I think anytime you come out, whether it's being gay, being bi, being transgender, I think there's always this awkward moment of silence that you expect to hear from someone when you utter those words for the first time you can almost see people trying to to take in what you just said and that that pause sometimes it's only for a half second but for the that person that's coming out it can seem like an eternity so what i would say is this i would never i would never tell anybody that saying i'll come out tomorrow i'll come out next week i'll come out next year i would never tell that person do it now, because it's different for every individual, Mm -hmm. right? I think what I would say is that you, in your own time, you come out when you feel you are ready. But I will also say that being more visible, being vocal, standing up, standing out, is not only going to help you, but you're going to help other people. You're going to help other people see that We're just people, just like everyone else, just like the straight community, just like the cisgendered community. We are just people who want the same things as everybody else. We want the same rights. We want to love someone, to be in a relationship with someone, to be married, to have children, to go on vacations, to work, to support our families. That's all. And by coming out and being yourself, your true authentic self, you're helping that next person be able to take that step along with you.
0: Liam, thank you so much. It felt to me that you spoke from the heart and I want to thank you for that. I want to thank thank you. you for these wonderful messages to folks who are going through what you've already been through. I didn't know you changed your gender only a year and a half ago. I thought you did that much earlier. For you to come out, and talk to everyone the way you're doing in such a short time when you yourself are still going through the surgeries, I think is commendable. Please continue doing that. I think these are the voices that parents need to hear. These are the voices that the children need to hear. These are the voices that the community needs to hear. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being on the show. And I really want to send lots of hugs to your wife for being your biggest supporter. And to your children.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I will I will make sure to pass on those words to them. They have been phenomenal. And I don't know what I would do without them. Great.
0: Thank you, Liam.
1: Thank you so much. And again, to all the listeners out there, if you need somebody, I'm here. Just let me know. Lovely.
0: Listeners, I hope you enjoyed listening to my discussion with Liam as much as I enjoyed having it to all those who are battling within themselves about taking the big step and coming out, because on the one hand, you feel the need to conform to your family's expectations and to societal norms, but on the other hand, you can't remain happy if you continue to conform. I hope you can get some inspiration from Liam. Also, please remember that he has offered to talk to you if you ever find the need to do so. His contact information is in my show notes. Now, I'm addressing those who are not in the same situation. I ask you, are you really not? This may not only be about coming out, about being gay or lesbian, or about a change in gender. Ask yourselves, are you really happy with your being and in the way that you are living life? Are you living life on your terms? Are you authentic to yourself, or are you living life trying to make others happy at the cost of your own happiness? If that is the case, then you need to transform as well. Become the unapologetic you. As always, here are my key takeaways. One, for parents who are encountering this situation in their lives, Liam's messages, there's nothing that a parent could or couldn't do to make a child gay or lesbian or transgender. So don't blame yourselves for any of it. Instead, love and support your kids. Love them for who they are. Let them be who they are. Don't try to mold them into something you want them to be or something that you feel society expects them to be. Love them and let them be. What they are going through is not easy for them, which is why they need you now more than ever to love them for who they are. Let's go back to what Liam said in his story. He said the toughest part was to come out to his wife about him wanting to become a man. He said from then on, coming out to friends and at work was easy because of the way his wife handled the situation. Coming out to parents is the hardest for your children and how they can handle their life from then on will truly be based on how you as pa- parents handled their discussion with you. Two, I want to pray and wish along with Liam that maybe someday the LGBTQ plus community will not need to come out to anyone, just like the heterosexual community does not need to come out. Their being will be as normalized and included in society as the being of any heterosexual person is. And lastly, for others, we have to be true to ourselves. We need to live our life authentically. It will not always be easy. There will be fear of the unknown, of not knowing what will be on the other side, and of some people rejecting us. But as Liam said, we will have the happiness and joy of being unapologetically and authentically ourselves. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy. Be safe and be well.